Before we get started, I want to tell you about my friends at Lean Solutions Group. Lean works with over 500 logistics and transportation companies in North America. You can describe Lean as a nearshoring company or a workforce optimization company, but as a customer, I describe Lean as a strategic partner who can help me win in a very competitive industry. They can quickly provide your company with top talent in operations, sales, marketing, technology, and business process outsourcing. They have over 9,000 employees in Colombia, Guatemala, Mexico, and the Philippines. Everyone is working with LSG. You need to. Check out the link in the show notes. Hello, friends. Welcome to the Logistics of Logistics podcast. My name is Joe Lynch. Thank you so much for joining us today. On the Logistics of Logistics, I talk to experts in logistics and transportation, warehousing, fulfillment, supply chain, and of course, technology. And during these interviews, I'm always the one asking the dumb questions. I ask the dumb questions so you don't have to. Today's topic is Inside the Shipper Mind with my friend Jim Bierfeld. Jim is the founder and president of Logistics Marketing Advisors, a full-service marketing agency exclusively focused on helping logistics businesses drive profitable growth. Every other year, Jim and his team survey hundreds of shippers so he can better understand how they are buying logistics services. So Jim really does understand how shippers think. If you want to understand how shippers think, please check out my interview with Jim Beerfeld. How's it going, Jim? Good, Joe. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to have you on my podcast. You've been on my podcast a few other times, and I always have said, we, we were talking about just before we hit record, shippers really well, because you do the shipper survey every two years, and I was just reminded, you owe that as an assignment in 2024, and <laughs> as if you got nothing else to do. But anyway, Jim, please introduce yourself and your company and where you're calling from today. Sure. We're in Connecticut. Jim Bierfeld. I run a, a small marketing agency called Logistics Marketing Advisors. And no coincidence, we only work with logistics companies. So my, my background is corporate uh, marketing for a 3PL, sort of a mid-sized 3PL. It was back in the sort of going back a ways, going back to the mid-90s. Um, I was just going to say, Jim, I think you probably are one of the first people who specialized in logistics marketing. I know a lot have popped up in recent years. All of a sudden, change focus says we're going to focus on that, but you've been doing it for a while. When did you start your business? In 2004. So 2004, I worked with 3PL. They were purchased by Kuhn and Nagel. I worked with Kuhn and Nagel for a few years, and then I left Kuhn and Nagel 2004 to start the business with the idea that there's enough traction out there among logistics companies. I didn't need to go beyond that space. I was taking a little bit of a chance at the time because, like you said, nobody else was doing that. Is it too small a niche? And of course, you and I know now, and everybody knows supply chain is, is huge. But they didn't, and I'm not, I don't think I'm wrong to say this. I was doing some digital, in fact, I did, I read some writing for you, I think on, what was that, food safety modernization. Thank you for that. You kept me living indoors and eating every day when I was, <laughs> I appreciate that. But getting back to it, when I was doing some digital marketing in the space, I was surprised. I had a, a web partner, the guys over at Sun Ant Interactive. And they said, there is no industry that is so far behind in digital marketing than logistics and supply chain. He said, it's just, and that's not a slam. It was just not accepted way of getting business. 10, 10 15 years ago, it wasn't accepted way of getting business. Yeah. Yeah. And they crave it because like any industry, there's so much jargon and there's so much going on that it, it takes... These guys have not so much, not a whole lot of time to begin with. Senior executives at 3PLs or whatever logistics companies, if they have to bring on a marketing partner and educate them for six months about the industry and the terms, it's just frustrating. I find that they really, they really love dealing with people who just are asking the right questions, know the terminology, know the space. Yes, exactly. So who's the sweet spot for your company? Sweet spot is probably that mid-sized, small growing and mid-sized logistics company that maybe doesn't have a marketing department, two, three, four people or, or bigger. So they lean on me at, to be, quote unquote, their marketing department and the resources that, that I have. So I'm even what I would call a fractional CMO at a, a couple of companies where I really work as their marketing director, 
I'm taking part in all the management meetings every week, et cetera. So I act in that capacity. So that's a sweet spot for me. Yeah. And I've just noticed this in this business is that fractional CMO and having a big role. And then at some point when they say, hey, we Jim helped us and our sales team has helped us get to the next level, you can work yourself out of a job a little bit because if you do the if you do the if you do your job, they continue to grow. And at some point they go, we should be doing more of this in house. Yeah, yeah. And that's fine. That's fine. I've never lacked since 2004. I'm not bragging. I'm just saying I've never lacked for work. That's for good reason. The market <laughs> is big enough and they're looking for people who can write and know marketing, but also know their space. It's like you said, it's not unique anymore. There's plenty of marketing companies popping up that focus on supply chain, but there's not a lot of them and people value that. Yep. So tell us a little bit about you. Where'd you grow up? Where'd you go to school? Give us some career highlights before you started. It's logistics marketing associates, right? Yeah. Logistics marketing advisors. Advisors. Yeah, I'm, I'm a, sorry. I'm a, I'm a New York city guy. Grew up, grew up in uh Great neighborhood in the Bronx and stayed there for the first 27 years of my life. I uh, went to, got my graduate degree from Fordham University. Very and, nice. Uh, I've worked in uh, various marketing capacities. I was on the nonprofit side for a while, ran marketing for a, uh, a hospital. And uh, I worked on the agency side for quite a while. And that was a good experience. PR advertising agency in Connecticut, where I was exposed to just a whole bunch of clients and it just ha so happens that I had a client, Usco Logistics, into my tenure at that agency, who ended up hiring me away from the agency. So that got me into logistics space in 1995, and then, you know, went from there. You, so you've been on both the agency side and on the customer side, and you said, okay, I get this. I can do this on my own. <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah, I have been on both sides of that fence. Yeah. So I want to talk for a minute. And uh, by the way, I will make sure I put a link to this. You've been doing this shipper survey. How many have you done? Oh, one, two, three, four, five. Yep. So I'll make sure we put a link in the show notes to your last one. So you, do, so tell us a little bit about your shipper survey that you do every two years and that you owe us in 2024. <laughs> Reminding me of that. Yeah, this is a highly surveyed group, right? The group of logistics operations executives. But the surveys that speak to them are about logistics operations, right? The supply chain, things like that. But there's nothing out there for guys like us, right? Salespeople, marketing people within the logistics space about how they feel or, or what their advice is on how to get their attention, how to keep their attention. So I think this is the only survey that goes out and asks them those questions. Yeah. So yeah. I remember you, this probably a few surveys ago, you said, hey, could you share this in the logistics of logistics group LinkedIn? And I was like, yeah, of course. I was excited to get the copy of that uh, report, which by the way, you share with everybody. Thank you. And I remember you said, Joe, the biggest problem I have with this survey is these shippers are hard to get them to sit down and answer, take a survey, but every 3PL and every freight broker is more than happy to jump in and answer those questions on behalf of the shippers. <laughs> well, and, and, and you know what? I throw it out there in various ways, right? And I, I actually have to delete a bunch of the responses because <laughs> even though they say, yeah, I'm a shipper, I look into it and, and I'm, I'm diligent about this. And I find, wait a second, you're a 3PL. I want you. I just want the shippers. I just want to get inside their head, have them tell me, this is the way I want to be spoken to. This is what I don't want in a marketing or a sales come on. That's valuable. Yeah. By the way, when I was still selling logistics services, I remember trying to be a good salesperson, trying to be a good marketing person. I remember asking some of my customers every once in a while, I'd say, hey, why did you pick us? You could have picked anybody. You could have stayed with your old guys. Why did you pick us? And I would love to say I got really good <laughs> qualitative feedback. I got garbage from those conversations. And by the way, I don't blame my customer. I blame me because I wasn't approaching it the right way. But they would say, just top of the head, they say, Joe, because your prices were right and uh, the service was good, which they didn't know beforehand. We trust you. We liked your technology. It was not that useful. It wasn't something I could walk away with and say, aha, I have the magic words 
And now I'm going to make phone calls and I'm going to say the magic words and I'm going to get a whole bunch of new customers. It, it, you don't get good answers a lot of times. Yeah. We might get into this a little bit, but what I find logistics companies don't do is they don't make a distinction between why people find you and why they choose you. And I think that's a real good distinction to make. And that what, what you're talking about now is, hey, why did you choose me? As a marketer, this might seem funny, but I care much less about that, right? I want to know how they found you. That, that's what I care about. Because you might sell a deal based on chemistry, right? Or you might sell a deal, say, oh, boy, you walked me through your, your, your data center and I was really impressed. All things that happen after the initial engagement, if you don't engage with them, if you don't give them a reason to find you, you're not going to get that opportunity to sell to them. So the reason they chose you, I don't know how leverageable that is from a marketing perspective. I want to know why they found I was looking for this and I found you got that's telling for me. So I, I draw a distinction between why did they find you and why did they sell you? My focus on is on, you know, give them a reason to find you. Yeah. Yeah. And one of the things I also am aware of is if you go on LinkedIn, which we're all on. And so I have a big group on LinkedIn. I started it while I was still blogging. And so it's got 333,000 people. So as the owner, I can recommend a post once a week. And so every once in a while, I look and go, oh, I recommended that post by Jim. And it's got 20,000 impressions. And I remember Googling this not so long ago. What is an impression on LinkedIn worth? And the answer came back, nothing. <laughs> and by the way, it's also worth a lot if I have the, if the, the, the impressions are with the right people and the right message is there. In my group, for instance, a lot of the people are overseas. So maybe I don't sell the people overseas. So you go, yep, it's great, Joe. You got 20,000 impressions, but 17 or 7,000 are from overseas. I don't work with them. So now it's down to 13,000. Now, how many were marketing people? How many were people who you can't sell to? And then also that at some point you get to the quality of the message. If if the, I got the impression to 10,000 people and they're, they looked at it and go, oh, this guy doesn't know what he's talking about. <laughs> I've done myself no good. Yeah. Anyway, so let's switch gears. I, I'm, I'm, you had sent me a note the other day. Actually, we started talking a long time ago. So you sent me a note, I think in August, that what we were going to talk about. But there's one, two, three, four points we wanted to hit on. These are some of the logistics businesses get wrong about chasing after customers. Am I right to say that? I think that's fair. Yeah. Yeah. So what is the first thing we're doing wrong when we're trying to get new biz? Well, I think it all, always has to start with strategy. I, I think there's too much of a willingness among logistics companies to say, hey, trucking, what we do is the same as the other guy. Warehousing, same as the other guy. We're not different. You're talking to me about positioning my company in a particular space. It's a big mistake. And again, it goes back to that thing I just mentioned about giving people a reason to find you. I think about where's Waldo. Everybody knows that, right? If you look at Waldo, right? He's got the funny round glasses and he's got a very distinctive look about him. And you say, oh, I'd recognize that guy if I found him anywhere. But then you put Waldo in an illustration with 250 other things going on. You can't find him, right? You just can't find him. And the seller or the marketer of logistic services doesn't empathize enough with the buyer. They don't recognize that's the buyer's world. They're looking at Waldo here separate from everything else. Oh, that's my company. And it's got all these distinctive features. The buyer sees it within the broader spectrum and they lose you. So you have to think strategy before you think tactics. There's a lot of, there's a lot of stuff going on in the marketing world, but you can spend a lot of time and a lot of money communicating to an audience. But if your message sounds exactly like everybody else's, you're just, you're wasting that money. So, okay, I'm not suggesting positioning is easy, but you have to know your space. Uh, you have to know who you're talking to and play that position. Yeah, I think 
so you're talking, I know we talked a little bit about the, how do I differentiate myself? How do I make myself different and better in, in that customer's eyes? And I've always meant, and I know you agree with me, but it's the idea of specialize in something or have some niche that you're able to say that you do it better. And I always think even if you, in this day and age, want to make phone calls, and I'm not against that, but it's a lot easier to make a phone call if you say, I'm just going to specialize, I'm going to specialize in retail logistics. That's because we got three customers that we're doing a really good job for. If I can pick up the phone, if I got to make a hundred phone calls a day, make them to a hundred retail logistics people, as opposed to, I'm going to call the guy in the oil field. I know they have to move freight. If you don't know anything about it, if you don't have any knowledge or customer experience with it, I, I, I think it's so much easier to call and say, Hi, Jim, I'm calling you because we work with, I'm probably leaving a voice message or an email, but saying something along the lines of, we work with three other retail companies, and I think I understand the problems that you're going through, blah, 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 as opposed to just a generic, hi, we'll save you money on your freight. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you know, to me, it's become more of the game of quality over quantity, and I'm speaking to exactly the point you're making. My go-to analogy here, and you, might, you and I may have talked about this before, is that logistics companies market like six-year-olds play soccer. So everybody can at least imagine how six-year-olds play soccer. Well, they I chase that. <laughs> Coach will say, you're left forward, Johnny, or, or, or Sally, you're left defense or, or whatever. All that goes out the window when the whistle blows. They all right? chase the ball. The other phrase I, I, I use often with customers is you, sometimes you got to shrink your market to grow. So let's stick with the soccer analogy for a second. So Johnny's the one person on the field, right? who says, well, coach says I should play left forward. So I know the ball's over there, but I'm going to go to left forward. Sooner or later, that ball's going to squirt over to Johnny. And guess what? He's the only one. Wide open. (laughs) It's him and the goalie. So, you know, Joe on his team has touched the ball 30 times in the scrum. Never a chance to score. Johnny has touched the ball two or three times the whole game. But in those two or three times, he's wide. He's the only person in the space. He's playing his position. And let's move it back to marketing from soccer. People are looking for experts who can solve their problem. It may not be 5,000 people, but it may be 50 people. Those are the 50 you want because you can solve a problem for those 50, probably better than anybody else can. So go after that position, own it. And be aggressive about it instead of saying, ah, you know what? I'm in trucking. We all do. We're all trying to get it there on time. We're like everybody else. Your own business is a perfect example. So when you call somebody and say, hey, I'd like, they more likely they reach out to you at this point and they reach out to you. The reason they're reaching out to you is because they say, I know Jim Beerfield. He worked at a logistics company. He was marketing there. Then he was at an agency. And then now he's been the fractional CMO at some places. He's worked with dozens of logistics companies that am I going to pick you or am I going to pick the guy who says, we do a lot of e-commerce. We do some retail. We do this. Oh, your logistics. Oh yeah. We we're great at logistics stuff. The way you ask me that (laughs) question, Joe is perfectly illustrates the point I'm trying to make. You started out by saying, Jim, when you call people, this is what you say. And then you corrected yourself. No, you probably don't call anybody. They find you. That's the point. That's the point. Seth Godin, I don't know. Seth, oh, I love Seth Godin's stuff. Yeah, it's great. And he's written a million books, but one of them is The Purple Cow. And you can drive down a highway in Iowa and see a million cows, and you're not going to turn your head. But if one of those cows is purple, you're going to turn your head. Yeah. And I read that book too. And I think I'm probably, I might be wrong, but I think he was with his family in France and they were driving by a million cows. And he had that same thought you just said. Yeah, yeah. A cow is just another cow. You're just like, there's a thousand of them out there. But if there's a purple cow, you notice. Yeah. And by the way, as we're talking about shippers, getting back inside the shipper mind here for a second, when you engage the same way everybody else does, you are the regular cow. And what you're suggesting is, hey, it's okay. Become that purple cow. It might turn off some people. It might be, it might feel a little strange at first but you're going to get your people and they're going to say, you know what? I love this. I love this message. It's different. It, 
or maybe it's just maybe it's just we specialize in what you do. Let's let's talk about a specific example here, right? A company does a significant business in bulk freight, liquid tankers. At some point, I don't know when it was, seven or eight years ago, and they were doing a lot of dry van freight, right? So they there's a the dry van freight is dwarfs liquid freight, bulk freight. We should be going after that. We've got a little piece of our business is dry van freight, but there's so much more of it out there. Let's do that. What were they? They were bulk freight specialists. The guy who started the company came out of a tanker company. That's what he knew. That's what he was really good at. And they started talking to me and I'm saying, you're moving in the wrong direction. You've got you've to lean into the thing that makes you different, right? Because that's, and by the way, it's, it's your most profitable business. So I know you've got the dry van freight, but you're not making nearly as much profit as that on the bulk stuff. There's more bulk stuff out there. Do you own all of the bulk freight market? No, we don't. We only own a small slice. Own a bigger slice. Go after that. Does it mean you're not going to move dry van freight? No, it doesn't. You're going to get that freight maybe from your existing customers. But Joe, you'd be surprised at how many companies are not willing to do that. They're not willing to say, I'm all about food warehousing because they say, you know what? We can do much more than food. We've got four walls that can house food, this, that, anything. I don't want to position myself as a specialist because then people will see that and say, they're not for me. And that's business that, oh, I don't want to walk away from. People really struggle with that. Again, it's a scarcity mindset. The notion of shrinking your market to grow does not resonate with people. It, it just doesn't compute in their heads. How can shrinking my market allow me to grow faster? But it does. Yep. And by the way, if you go to C.H. Robinson's website, obviously they're one of the leaders in the space. You go to their website, they have individual market segments and they are big enough to be experts in a lot of, they started off, I believe, in produce and food. And so they were very good at that. But at this point, And by the way, this is the same way Deloitte and McKinsey and all the consulting companies, they have practice leaders. Now, those are massive companies. They develop research on it, and they have a lot of times somebody who wrote a book might be an advisor at those companies, and they go deep. So when somebody says, I need automotive help, they don't look for a generic automotive company consultant. They go to those guys who have an author on their staff, and they've done a, well, by by the way, your shipper survey is a perfect example. (laughs) You want to learn what's the right thing? Look with the people who are successful, and you're successful because you put that shipper survey out. So when somebody says, I would like to connect with shippers, they talk to you because they, you you get it where everybody else is, I'll figure it out as we go. (laughs) Anyway, so that we talked to the first thing is lack of focus on marketing strategy, lack of clear differentiation. I'm glad I was able to say that correctly. So the next thing I see here, here, and this is my favorite, persistence of generic sales pitches, despite the fact that it's the number one beef of logistics buyers. Yeah. Please yeah. speak to that one. It's like far and away when I ask, and we survey director level and up. We're not surveying lower level people, and, and it's always over 100 people. And, and I ask them, what's, what advice would you give marketers and sellers of logistics services or products. And that's far and away number one. I get a million come-ons a week and they're all they all look and sound the same. They're, they're generic and I'm offended by that. And some of them will tell me very frankly, I'm a busy guy. It irks me that, no, I'm not, <laughs> no ageism here, but it irks me. And these are their words, not mine, that a 24-year-old person is calling up, reading off a script, and taking up my time to read me this generic call script, it just and emails the same way. And people should just know that that that's that is their number one biggest complaint, far and away. And and that generic sales pitch, it, it by the way, I say this before, not so long ago, 10, 12 years ago, it was all phone calls. Almost everybody would bang the phones, hundred phone calls a day. And then we moved and we said, hey, we can do some cold outreach emails. We can find out those emails and I can send it email. But in a lot of ways, we brought over that cold calling mentality and we brought it to LinkedIn. We brought it to email and it's still 
you're still just engaging generically. And by the way, I, I'm on LinkedIn like everybody else. And when you get on LinkedIn, I don't know about what you get certain messages all the time. I got a message saying, you seem like a successful business person. How about you start a franchise? And I didn't get it once or twice. I've got it hundreds of times. And I was thinking to myself, this makes no sense. I don't, I have no idea how they're doing this. Yeah. Yeah. And you're right. It's not just annoying. You get offended by this. You're like, why are you doing this to me? <laughs> yeah. I, I was taken aback initially when I started doing my survey about how about emotional and visceral the reaction was. But these are busy guys who genuinely don't like being interrupted and annoyed with these kind of pitches. Yeah. I, you, Know me well enough, Joe, to know that I think in metaphors relative to generic pitches. I have this sort of the way I think about it is baby pictures. So you and I know each other. You and I have never met each other, right? We've never physically been in the same place, but you and I've talked. But we're business colleagues. We don't do barbecues on the weekend and stuff like that. So we know each other, but it's more as business colleagues. But if we met, let's say a TPM or, or some conference, we met in the hall, and I started, hey, Joe, gosh, fine, great to finally meet you. Now, my niece just happens. She sent pictures of her uh, little daughter, four-year-old daughter, last week. They were cute. I got them. Now, if I pulled out a phone after I said, Joe, great, we finally meet, and I started showing you pictures of my niece's daughter, you would, because you're a nice guy, you would smile politely and say, oh, very cute. And you'd be, do you have any others? I would like to see all the pictures <laughs> on your phone. <laughs> Yeah, but that's what we do as salespeople. We assume that people want to see our baby pictures. And we we get an opportunity to do a prospecting call and we pull out these slides on our services, which are effectively are our baby pictures, which we're very proud of. And we show them outside of any context, right? So let me play that out, right? If I did a little research, if I knew your background, if I knew you well enough personally to know, let's say you had a niece, God forbid, we're being hypothetical, and who was born with an issue, let's say a, a spinal deformity or something. And she wasn't walking. She was two years old. And the parents were worried. And the doctor says, well, there's an operation that might be done that could be successful and she could maybe walk, but there's risk. So they're worried. The parents are worried. Now, if I show you that same four-year-old my niece's daughter playing soccer. And I said, when she was two, she had that operation. She was born with the same spinal deformity that your niece was born with, Joe. All of a sudden, you're very interested in my baby pictures. Not only that, you're asking, when was the operation done? Right. Who's the doctor who performed it? How long before she was able to walk after she yes. took that operation? And about 20 other questions. And listen, it's an exaggerated example. I get it, but I'm making a point here. Baby pictures outside of context are nobody cares. Put it, do a little research. You put it in the context of that prospect's pain, and all of a sudden, those baby pictures are really interesting. Yeah, and I want to take a quick time out to tell you, you can now listen to the logistics of logistics on Wreaths Across America Radio. I'll put a link in the show notes. Wreaths Across America provides informational, inspiring content about members of the U.S. Armed Forces, their families, and military veterans. Their mission is to remember, honor, and teach. Wreaths Across America succeeds because of the generous support of the trucking community. Take a listen and please consider volunteering. So getting back to it, I remember going on sales calls with somebody and we were very proud of the technology we had, our TMS. It was off the shelf, but it was awesome. And we went in and the guy I was with really went heavy about our technology and blah, 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 without hearing that why they were talking to us. And come to find out that the last company they worked with that, that they were getting rid of to hopefully go to us, but I don't, we didn't get the business. They thought these guys don't do a good job. All they do is talk about their technology. And that's how we were engaging. So it was like, we just, and you think, how can you go wrong talking about technology? Everybody loves technology. Technology is going to be, it's going to make this so, we're going to streamline the process. And they had just been burned by what they considered a tech centric 3PL. 
And had we just listened <laughs> a little bit, but we were so excited about our tech. <laughs> yeah. And that, that's the frustrating part now in retrospect, how easy it would have been to find that out before you started talking to them. Yeah. We could have just as easily said, oh yeah, we have tech. But you know what we have more, more importantly than tech, we have a great team that supports you. And here's how we do it. We believe in relationships, whatever we might say. By the way, getting back to your generic sales pitches, when I went to TMSA, it was down in Savannah this last year. It's fantastic. There was a shipper panel and these guys were all at large companies and they were saying the exact same thing. The number one thing on your shipper survey is they are not just, ang- they're getting angry and offended by these generic sales pitches because they fill their inbox, fill their phone calls. They're getting text messages now. I'm sure that's really wonderful to start getting text messages like that. But they said, we can tell the ones that are like generic and we don't answer them. The ones that we will answer are not generic. And they and one of the guys said, every non-generic email I get, I answer. I feel that's my responsibility. And one of the guys said, by the way, guy who won a lot of our business, showed up at our location and knocked on the door. (laughs) And he said, which he goes, was impressive. He says he won some business. He goes, now that's pretty risky. And it's obviously you're spending some money, but it's a completely different way. And so all of a sudden you go, oh yeah, it was that crazy guy who showed up here. (laughs) Yeah. It's not, there's information out there. You can find out somebody's got a major manufacturing plant in Kansas City. And if you happen to be a carrier that for another customer is moving freight into Kansas City and you're coming back empty, that's a really interesting call to have. That shipper wants to have that call because you're going to give me a deal on your on your backhaul. Um, so you've got to connect the dots. And those are the emails they want. But when you just call and say, hey, you got I got trucks, you need carriers, let's talk. I got to tell you, before we hit record, I was telling you about a friend of mine who sends videos and they're individualized and they're interesting and they're funny, fun, formative. They're just the right, they're they're the right mix. And I know people have done all sorts of different things to get, first off, you want to have, you want to be able to say, I have some differentiation, so I get found. But then if I decide I need to do that cold outreach, then have something other than just the generic sales pitch. And by the way, getting back to it, 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 even if you're doing the generic, you can still do a generic sales pitch. It's a lot better in my mind if you say, we already work with three retailers just like you. Now, it might be generic, but at least they're, at least you go, you know what? These guys specialize in our problems. I like that. And I, I don't like the generic email, but I'm still listening. <laughs> Comes out in my survey as well as you got about seven or 10 seconds to get my attention. And that's really what you're talking about. Come at me in a different way. Lead with something that really makes you sound different. Uh, Yeah, so I think it's a good point. I've said before to people I advised, shippers, don't let them learn on your dime. So that means go find somebody who specializes. If I've got $10 million worth of freight in automotive world, why am I talking to someone who's never moved a load in automotive world? <laughs> what am I, a fool? There's a million people who's, who have experience in that. Why am I talking to someone outside of it? The next point here, it says, I have this notion that marketing logistics services turned into a game of hide and seek in reverse. <laughs> Please elaborate. Yeah, as there's a lot you can find out about the thing, the problem that you have out on the internet and you don't have to talk to a salesperson to find that stuff out. Buying a car is the best example of that. I'm probably 98% of my way through the journey. I might want to do a couple of test drives, but I'm, I pretty much decided what two or three options. And I've done it all online, not only from a feature point of view, but also from a pricing point of view. It's all right there for me. Uh, I don't want to talk to a car salesman, but I'll go in at the end and I'll, I'll test drive a few and I'll make a decision. B2B is the same, right? There's so much information out there about your challenge. The different providers are out there that you're at least 70%, probably more before you engage with a provider. Again, whether it might be a WMS software or a warehouse provider or whatever. So that's the challenge. If you're entering that game, that selling game or that sales acquisition process 
after that 70, 75%, you're probably not going to get the business. What you want to do is get found while they are doing their research. How do I solve this specific problem to your point before? Who's doing this out there? And are, is it, are they doing it? If they're finding you during the research, you're part of the shortlist. You've made it, right? So I'm going to I'll keep blabbing here, Joe, but look, look like you were look, waiting to say something there. I, f- I feel the same way. And I always think we're not, none of us are looking for salespeople. We're looking for experts. When we go online six months before we got a new, get a new 3PL, we have our, our contracts coming to an end and we're, we need to open up and look. I'm going to start looking around and people listen to podcasts like mine. They, Everyone should, but they sometimes don't. But I call it the dark funnel. I didn't make that up. Other people use the same term. Somebody could hear you on my podcast. It's a good... So if somebody was said, I want to see more about Jim Beerfield, and they found you on my podcast. Could be two years ago when you are on my podcast. And we all know now, if I go to Jim's website and download something where I have to add my name, I know now I'm on Jim's list and I'm going to get emails and I might get a phone call. I'm not against any of that. But a lot of people, myself included, I'm sure you too, you try to avoid getting a whole bunch of spam emails. So you say, I'm going to, I'm going to observe these guys from afar. And then that those are the guys who show up 80% sold, 90% sold, where they say, Jim, we've been, we know of you. We we we've seen the stuff on your website. We saw you on a podcast or two. We read your articles. Tell us more. And and by the way, you're, at that point, it's almost yours to lose, where you almost have to say something dumb to lose it. Now, I, I can do that. You wouldn't do that. And that's what I'm talking about. We're, ta- we're talking about the dark funnel. We're talking about that research phase before they engage with, with people in, in a legitimate sales process. Um, and I don't, none of my clients really gate their stuff anymore, right? For the reason right. you said, people don't, but I want that stuff out there in, in the dark funnel so people find what you mean is by gate is I can go to your website and get that shipper survey. And I did recently and I shared it with somebody. When I went to your website, though, it doesn't make me give my name and email, which we used to do when we used to say, that's just a good way. And then I know now who was on my website and all that, which is great. But I might be a year from making a decision. I might be just trying to educate myself because I got a new job and now I'm going to start getting regular emails and then a sales guy is going to call me and I didn't want all that. Yeah. We started talking about the hide and seek and reverse, but I'm talking about the challenge these days with marketing for logistics companies is getting found. When people are in that dark funnel, you don't even know they're in market, but they're doing their research. You want to get found, right? That's the key. But I still think people have the, the mentality of I'm it. I got to go find the prospects, right? The problem with that is the prospects don't want to be found. They've got all this technology-aided way to be invisible, caller ID, emails from strangers that they're never, ever going to open. So it's a losing losing game. Yeah, by the way, everybody started recently saying, give me your mobile phone, and then adding me to these text message things. And I was thinking... No, I'm not engaging that way. I've decided. So they'll say, hey, Joe, thanks for attending our webinar, blah, blah, blah. And then it'll be something. And I'm thinking, no, I'm not doing it. I'm not playing that game. I feel like it's more intrusive than I want it to be. And I think they're looking and saying, oh, we have his, as soon as we have his phone number, whoa, here's all the information we found on Joe Lynch. Uh, they can put in a complete profile. I mean, it's enough already. I'm tired of some of that. So Another thing you had written here, Jim, I'm going to read it. it says logistics companies tend to talk to the entire market instead of a very small segment, maybe 3% that has the problem now. How do I figure that out? Yeah. Yeah. It goes, goes back to something I said before about shrinking the market to grow. But I, I think about politicians. Politicians, they, they want to get elected. So they want to appeal to a broad audience. They, they don't want to say anything that's going to alienate any particular group. And businesses and logistics businesses too often market the same way. They want to appeal to a lot of people. I remember I did a, actually it was a TMSA presentation a few years back. And and I just used an example. It was a real example from a big company that you would know and your listeners would know in the ocean carrier space who did an ad. And I showed it and it said, whatever you need, we'll gladly supply it. 
Now people understood them as a, as an ocean freight kind of company, so it wasn't completely out of context. But that I think that kind of headline really underscores what I'm trying to say here. Whatever you need, we'll provide it. Buyers are smart. They get the fact that you can't be good at everything. It's impossible. You can't afford it. To your point about looking for that specialist, looking for somebody who's really good at solving my specific problem, right? I'm not turned on by a company that says, oh, whatever you need, whatever you need, we'll take care of it. That's a stupid thing we used to do a lot more of. And by the way, I've when I ask people, what do you specialize in? When I was doing digital marketing, I asked that. And a lot of one thing if C.H. Robinson says that. It's another thing if like big companies say that. It's a, and you say, oh, we have experience in all these different market segments. But when you're talking to a small company and they say, oh, yeah, we absolutely can do that. What they mean is I'll figure it out on your dime or I got a buddy and I'll call him right after we hang up. And that is not how experts work. I'll tell you, uh, I love this um research that I did back when I was in graduate school. I never forgot it, but it really speaks directly to the point that we're talking about, which is who am I talking to here? I'm not, uh, I'm not talking to this huge audience. I'm actually talking to a very specific audience. So I was a nonprofit at the time and I had a chance to do a research paper and I decided to do it on fundraising. And I came across some research that says what fundraising letters work the best at getting money in. And the premise of the research was very simple. Do I write a long fundraising letter or do I write a short fundraising letter? And the research said that many more people that you send that letter to will read the short letter that, and won't read the long letter. Okay. They went a step further and they said, who actually gave? And when they looked at who actually gave, and only looked at those responses, it turns out that the longer letter was much more effective with the actual donors. So I guess what I'm saying from a a logistics marketing point of view, when you're putting together your piece of communications, talk to the donor, get inside their head and talk to them specifically. You're talking to, let's say you're talking to 10,000 people, Zero in on your ideal, in that case, donor. For us, we're talking about ideal ICP, ideal client profile. Understand what that profile is and speak directly to them. All right. This size company, this specific industry, this specific problem. But people genericize because they want to bring in more people. They don't want to, they don't want to make their market smaller. They want to go for the hundred percent. And I've said this years ago. I was writing as a ghostwriter for a very large company, one of the largest in this space. And they were in Europe. And I said to them when I started, I said, I want to make sure I can get the voice of the person I'm writing for. And they were an executive, they were a CEO. And quickly I lost access to him. And now I get to talk to the marketing people and his, <laughs> his people. And the f- second thing I said is I want his voice. But second thing I wanted to say is I want a point of view and I want to have rough edges on this. And I don't want you to edit it when I'm done. And what happened? I never talked to the guy. I heard from marketing. I heard from his team and they marked it up like a legal document. Eight guys would give me feedback on it. And they turned every one of these uh, blog posts from... <laughs> a little spicy and delicious to oatmeal. It was, and that's what corporate does. They turn things from, it's got rough edges and we smoothed it all out. It'll offend nobody, but it interests nobody either. It's nothing. You've turned it into oatmeal. Nobody wants oatmeal. And I think they just wanted to leave it. And by the way, maybe that's the right thing. If you're a massive company, just don't offend anybody. Don't say anything controversial. Boy, it's a horrible way to work if you're small. Yeah. Number one, I love that phrase, rough edges. I'm going to use it because <laughs> um, it's, it's, it's a good way to summarize exactly what I'm talking about. If you zero in on a specific audience, you can get really aggressive. It's super freeing because you know exactly what you're <laughs> right. talking about. You to talk to them in a certain language. Right? Yes. And, and you had said before about the oatmeal. The thing about taking a message and broadening it and making it more generic, I don't know. Is that business you're even going to get, right? If you're not talking 
to the 20% and talking to the 60%, is that extra 40% people that are going to buy from you? It, they're not, you don't really, they're not aligned really well with your value proposition. Maybe they're probably not. Yeah. So. I've got to tell you one other story about when I wrote an article, a blog, it was a blog post that got sent out as an email. So the guy said, Oh, this is a little edgy. I said, I, the title's edgy, but if you get into it, it was basically talking about how the tech enabled brokers are coming for the industry. And that, and I also said the, the, Existing brokers will adjust. They always do. And they did. This, and they were like, I don't know. I said, just send it. And then when it came back, they said, oh, we had 10 people ask us to take them off the email list. They were angry. I go, that's because they didn't read it. And then they said, we're not done. We got invited to speak at two conferences. And I was thinking, that's how I want every email to work. When I sent out my, in my email blast, I wanted to come back where people had opinions. Some of them say, I hate your guts. Others said, Ooh, you're onto something. Come speak at our conference. That's how we should all be working. Here's a real example, right? So let's just talk about social posts. People like to look at likes, right? How many likes did this social post get? Oh, that got a lot of likes. So we should do more social posts like that. By the way, if you do a social post involving a person or involving one of your employees, okay, their aunts and uncles and everybody else is going to like it. It's not an indication that anybody's going to engage with that in a meaningful way or might actually buy from you. So we can be really focused on the, on the wrong metrics. All we should care about with that social post, how many people, to your point, wanted to have a meaningful discussion with us, not how many people liked it. It's the wrong metric. Let's be aggressive. Let's be provocative and let's see if we can elicit some sort of reaction out there. Stir it up a little. There's something out there that's saying, oh, a lot of people are going to engage with this. That must be good stuff. Not necessarily. Yeah, exactly. And it reminds me, every city is the same in America now, a major city. And you see the generica when you go, oh, I stayed at the Holiday Inn Express. And of course, right next door is Starbucks. Oh, there's a Texas Roadhouse. Who, who would have ever guessed? Oh, there's their Costco. <laughs> and But where do we want to really eat? If you, you said, I want to take my wife or my friend out to dinner, you don't want to go to <laughs> Generica. You want a nice restaurant. You want something unique to the area. Anyway, let's wrap this bad boy up, Jim Beerfield. So Final thoughts on Inside the Shipper Mind. Final thoughts. What came out in the survey, and I think it's worth, it's a good thing to leave on, right? Because I asked the question, the last time you proactively reached out to a logistics provider or, or, or product, why did you do it? And the number one response was a recommendation from a colleague. <clears throat> number one response. So I guess I would say, Keep that in mind if you're a marketer, work your network. A, a huge percent of the, of the business that's one out there comes from referrals. So use, use the connections you have to get the attention of your prospects. And I, a lot of the people I surveyed, that was their advice. They say, honestly, if I get an email and it says, hey, John, some, a mutual acquaintance suggested I reach out to you, that gets my attention. That works. So oh, I love that. I my closing advice is everybody's got their network. Everybody's busy, right? It's hard to proactively stay in touch with people, but it's worth it. Work your network, stay in touch with those people, reach out to them, make a phone call. Don't make it just a LinkedIn thing. Now I like to track what Joe does, see what he's up to. Proactively manage those relationships because people move. They move to new jobs. They move to new challenges. And if you're in their head, they'll remember you. And that's the way a lot of business comes to people through referrals, through colleagues. So I guess that's... I love that. I love that. And that, by the way, that's also why testimonials are important to get on your website. I've seen the research a few times on that. That's If you can get some good testimonials, not a bad idea to get that up on your website. Um, Jim, so what I'll do is I'll put a link to your LinkedIn profile, link to your website and any other links you give me. And I'll be sure to get that shipper survey and put that in there so people can look at it. And it, it, 
it might be uh, from 2022, but it's it's great information. I just looked at it. I, again, I just looked at it and shared it with somebody a few months ago. So I know it's awesome information. And it's not all, it's counterintuitive, some of it. One of the things I saw on there that I loved is they don't buy just because your technology, which we all have fallen in love with our technology. And we think that's why everyone's coming to us. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, the nice thing about it is it's probably half of it is filled with just literally verbatim comments. We asked them these questions. Here's exactly what they said. It's really, it's, it's the voice of the customer in, in a very real way. I love it. I love it. So Jim, what conferences will we see you at? I'm looking at TPM in February in Long Beach. Nothing before that. Is it cold think. in Connecticut in February? <laughs> <laughs> what are you implying? So yeah, that's that's probably the so TPM is in is that in LA? That's in Long Beach. Long Beach. Okay. Excellent. Excellent. And I was just telling you before we hit record, I hope you come to manifest uh this coming year. It's in February. I think it's also cold in Connecticut. In February, <laughs> Vegas isn't warm in February, but compared to Connecticut or where I'm at, Michigan, it is beautiful. It's like fall and I there. Tell you, <laughs> as many conferences I've, as I've been to over the years, and I've been to probably over a hundred. I don't know how it's possible. I've never been in Las Vegas. Yeah, without me even asking, a lot of people have said, "Oh, you got to get to Manifest." I went for the first time last year, and it was great. It's like drinking from a fire hose because they're so big, but wonderful. Loved it out there. And I think what's also nice about that conference is it's not just it's not just logistics people. There's a lot of shippers out. There's a lot of supply chain people. So you see, and they're really making a, a push to get more shippers. I did. I moderated the shipper panel last year. Best Buy was there. Alta was there. Some founders of some companies. So it was fantastic. Again, the hard part is just <laughs> you. I, I interview a lot of people, so I see everybody out there. I'm glad everyone has to wear a big name tag so we know who everybody is. <laughs> well, that, that, that's been the rap for years about trade shows of any kind in this industry. You show up and, and you're talking to your competitors. There's just not enough buyers who show up. And uh, so if Manifest has solved that problem, that's a good thing. Yep. Excellent. Excellent. And by the way, we mentioned TMSA. Also an awesome organization. I, I was just in Savannah at their conference. Hopefully I'll see you at one of their next. I don't know when the next one is, but I'll see you there, hopefully. All right. Sounds good, Joe. Excellent. Thank you so much for taking the time, Jim. All right. Good. We'll talk to you. Bye-bye. And thank all of you for listening to my podcast. Your support's very much appreciated. Until next time, onward and upward. You have been listening to the Logistics of Logistics podcast, where we engage with leaders in the logistics and supply chain community. If you like what you hear, please subscribe, hit the like button, and leave us a nice review on Apple or Spotify or wherever else you listen. Also, please check out our videos on YouTube and connect with us on LinkedIn. We're very big on LinkedIn. And you can also reach us on the logisticsoflogistics.com, our website.